Old Testament. It provides us with these wonderful examples of faith, and today we begin with perhaps one of the greatest examples of such. Somebody who had such faith in God, he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. We are going to uh, consider Abraham. We're going to start in chapter 12. And uh, the question that will be repeated over and over again, and hopefully we'll be asking ourselves this week, were they God-serving or self-serving? Were these people serving God or serving self in the things that they did? And as we reflect on the, the message that's given to us here, I hope that by the end of this service you'll be thinking very much about your life and whether your life is proving to be God-serving or self-serving. Abraham, and this is related from Galatians chapter 3, really verses 5 and 6, it talked about him hearing and believing. Abraham heard, and quote, believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So do you really have faith? Do you live by faith like Abraham lived? He heard what God said, he believed, and he acted upon it. Very much like the words of Jesus. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them, puts these words into practice, he's like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you hear? Do you believe? Do you do? If, uh, if truly you're seeking to be God-serving, then your life will bear it out that you hear and that you do. In Genesis chapter 12, it's where, this is where Abraham, and his name at this point in time is Abram, gets changed uh, later on. Um, so I'll probably be referring to him whichever way it comes to my mind. Verses 1 through 8. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah, Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on his west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. The beginning verses. In verse number one, I underlined underlined in my Bible, go forth. 
go forth. He was told, Abram was told by God, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. Go forth. Verse 4 says, and I underline these first couple of words, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. God said, go. Abram went. God said, I'll show you the land. Abram just trusted. All right, he'll tell me where to go. He'll show me. He went. Simple faith. Now, it is interesting to think about the fact that he was called to to leave his country. Haran was actually, or excuse me, Terah, his father, is mentioned in in chapter 11. and, And Terah had left um, their earlier land down in Ur, and he had gone to Haran. He was supposed to be making his way to Canaan, but for some reason he decided to settle in Haran. So he, Terah stayed, stayed there. I don't know why he was originally planning on going to Canaan, but there was something about Haran that was tempting to him, that was pleasing to him, that made him settle there. That was Terah, the father. And so I would assume things were kind of good there. They accumulated, as you see on down later in these verses that we read, they accumulated much there. They became wealthy there. It was a good place. And you know what? God said, go. And so Abram went. He was willing to leave some comforts, willing to leave where everything was nice, where everything was good, where everything was going as it should, where there seems to, that there was no hardship. God said, go. And he went. And he went forth. That's faith. Um, Might have been some temptation there to stay where he was at, to stay where it was easy, to be able to keep more of what he had. And kind of the nice thing about this, I like this thought too, is um, as it says in verse number 5, that Abram took his wife Sarah and a lot his nephew and all their possessions which they had accumulated. So it's kind of neat. Abram left that place and he was still rich. He still had a lot of stuff to take with him. So I want to make this point too, is that you can still have plenty of stuff and still live by faith. But do those things, and they could have done this to Abraham, could those things have made him not listen? Could the easy life, could all of the stuff, could the accumulation, the comfort of of Haran, could that have made him say, you know what, God, I just like it here, and I got a lot of stuff. It would be too hard to take it all with me. I don't want to go. I don't want to change. Who likes change? We don't. Sometimes we like change because we like to mix things up, but we don't want to just, our lives just get turned upside down and everything's different. We don't like to move houses. You know, well, we might like to move to a better house, if you know it's a better house and a better place, a better neighborhood. But we really don't like the moving part, do we? We don't like that stuff. We don't like big changes. It's hard, when, especially when everything is good. But God said, go forth from your country, from your family, from your people. Leave this comfort. Go. To the land I will show you. And Abraham went. So Abraham went, just as the Lord said. Was Abram 
God serving or was he self-serving? This wonderful picture of faith. He, I serve God. I'm going to do what he says. God said go, so I go. That's faith. That's how we should be. Notice also that when um, he gets to the land, in verse number 7, it says in there, it says, so he built an altar there to the Lord that appeared to him. So this idea of, of an altar, what takes place on an altar? Some kind of sacrifice seems to always take place on an altar. He didn't just build an altar and leave it there. He gave something to God. The idea of sacrifice, when you think about the term sacrifice, you might think of something being burned up so that it honors God somehow. Well, it is. It's, and what's the point? We're supposed to give something to God. We're going to talk about that with Abel and Cain, right? We're supposed to be giving to God. We're supposed to be serving God. We're supposed to be willing to let go of the stuff that we need, even the very best stuff. The very best of our flock, the very best of our crop, it always goes, the first part of it goes to God. Abram was God-serving, not self-serving. He didn't hold back. He didn't keep it. He got to this place. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm, you know, this, Lord, this is where the Lord has brought me. I'm going to build an altar to him here. I'm going to give to him. Notice then he kept moving on a little bit within the land. He isn't moving away from where God wanted him to go, but he's moving within that land. In verse number 8, it says he built an altar. He gets to the next place. He built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He built an altar. Here he is. He's getting ready to give to God some more. I'm going to give to God. I'm going to give my best to God. And he called upon the name of the Lord. This idea of calling upon the name of the Lord, I think when we gather together, I think this is us calling upon the name of the Lord. We're recognizing our Lord and our God and his son, Jesus Christ. We're calling upon his name. Are we God-serving or are we self-serving? And and forget us right now, I guess that's always the the implications, but Abraham certainly was God-serving, not self-serving. Go on to chapter 14. Chapter 14, um, in verses 18 through 23, this is after a battle has taken place that Abram was a major part of, or the big part of. Verse 18, after the battle, somebody shows up. There is a, um, uh, this king of Salem comes out. Verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out Bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him. So Melchizedek blesses Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. Abraham, here is God's priest showing up, and Abraham is the indication here. Abraham gave him a tenth of all. He gave. Listen, Abraham gave. Is is Abraham there being self-serving? He's being a servant to the God's high priest. So he gave. 
Verse 21, it says, Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. King of Sodom saying, You can serve yourself a little bit here. 22, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear that you would say, I have made Abram rich. So we get a picture here with these two stories coming together that Abram was willing to give to the high priest, gave a tenth. He gave a tithe to that to the man of God. And was he willing to take anything himself? I will not take. I'm not self-serving, I'm God-serving. That's what Abraham's thought, his belief was. He served God. Genesis chapter 22. Continue moving along here. Genesis 22, uh, 1 through 14. I want to read all of this because here is the great picture of being God-serving. And certainly we could have considered some places where, you know, Abram really struggled with serving God completely. You've read through Genesis, hopefully, and you can find those yourself. But for the most part, we see Abram being one who was going to serve God to the nth degree. And here we see it in 22. Abram was God serving. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Whew, all right. God's saying, I want you to prove that you are going to be God serving. Verse 3, so Abraham rose. (laughs) And again, I have... um, um, Underlined, go and offer, verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. God says go, he got up and went. The very next day. Man, it looks like this would be one that you'd want to stop and think about for a little while and consider if if this God that you're hearing is really the God you want to be serving. You know, maybe, all right, God, give me a week to think about this. Maybe do some uh, fleece tests like some others did. You You know, just hold on a second, you know. No, man, our father of faith, Abraham, this one that we can be children of him of faith. He, God said, offer your son. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, verse 3, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. 
And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You have not withheld. You didn't hold it. You didn't serve self. You didn't keep. You were willing to give him to me. 13. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorn, by his horns, in the thorns perhaps, but by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. That would have been a hard provision to trust, to think that I could slay my son and somehow God will provide in the midst of that. But Abraham, whatever God said, he believed. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's the faith we're called to have. So completely God-serving. That self-serving is just non-existent. Abraham, what a wonderful example of faith you are. And as I look and I consider this idea of God-serving or self-serving, and I think about that being just really kind of the essence of faith. Do I, do I hear God say it and I believe it and do it and I just serve him only? Or do I, oh no, that sounds a little hard. I don't want to leave this place. I don't want to uh, go to a land I don't know about. I don't want to lose some of the comforts. I don't want, I don't, you know, it's, it's, what's it going to be? Are we going to serve God? Are we going to serve others? He has this wonderful, wonderful example of God, I'm going to serve you. God serving. And it made me flash back some of these other things that we read about earlier in Genesis. So if you will, go back to Genesis chapter 3. And just consider people and what they do, the choices they made. And just from this, uh, this simple little uh, way of kind of judging it. Were they God-serving or were they self-serving? And we get to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now, uh, this is the passage about... The certain Satan showing up in the garden saying, Yeah, did God tell you that? Really? You know, that's, you know, well, let me tell you something more. And verse number, in verse number five, it says, the Satan speaking here, he says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, you eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil that God said, Don't. 
God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, ooh, that looks kind of good. It was delight to the eyes. Oh, it's pretty too. I just want to grab it and take. It was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Oh, man, what a pleasure that would have been to eat that, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that have been tempting to reach out? Oh, man, God said I shouldn't have this, and look how good it is. Oh, I just... So she gave... Well, excuse me, still in, in, in verse number 6. When, when a woman saw that tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and it was, the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took... From its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Were they serving God, or were they serving self? It's pretty clear, the the very simple message, they decided to serve self instead of serving God. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. After uh, discussing Cain and Abel being born to Adam and Eve, verse 3 says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Sounds like a right thing to do, doesn't it? Verse 4, Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will not not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain told, his, told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain, arose, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So here is a, a picture. You consider Cain. There's probably two ways that we can see where he didn't serve God. He wasn't God-serving. His sacrifice in some form was not God-serving. It was self-serving. Perhaps he was holding back or, or what he should have given. He wasn't giving of his best like Abel. Perhaps he was just completely denying some instruction that, uh, of something specific that he was told to give. I'm, I'm not sure there, but I know it wasn't his best. He was serving self instead of God. But then there's the second thing comes up. Now that he messed up, he's got God comes along and says, All right, you got an opportunity to still serve me. You can be made right. You'll be all right if you do what's right. And he says, God, I'm not going to serve you. I'm going to serve self. And so he let the anger get the best of him. Jealousy, anger, contempt, hatred towards his brother. He was self serving. And not God serving. But on the contrary, what about Abel? The thing we know about Abel is that Abel on his part brought the firstlings of his flock. That's the best of his flock. And of their fat portions. He was God serving, not self serving. 
He was willing to give and not take. God serving or self serving? Genesis chapter 6, we get there and we get to uh, consider Noah. Uh, it's interesting in uh, verse number 14, Noah's told, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Um, and in verse 15, it, it's, uh, it says, This is how you shall make it the length of its ark 300 cubits. You know, and, and it starts talking about the measurements. And how high, and you know, and I think uh, Noah, if he's there, if he's a reasonable person, he probably, for him, he's hearing, um, you got to make this, it'd be like us hearing, all right, I want you to make a new church building, and I want you to build it five miles long and a uh, hundred stories high, you know, and that's how big you're, and you're like, what, this is impossible. Well, that's what you think, you might be thinking. It's impossible. It's not, I mean, this is a huge ark. You ever been down the, down the road and seen the ark? The replica of the ark, I might uh, be clear about. It's monstrous. And God's talking to one guy, I want you to build it. Make for yourself an ark, verse 14. And he keeps going and talking. He talks about the covenant. And then in verse, verse 21, he finally stops talking. And then verse 22 says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. God said go. He went. God said build, so he built. He was God-serving, not self-serving. He wasn't afraid. He didn't think something was going to be too hard. He didn't think the, uh, the task was just too much to ask. He was God-serving. Um, G- Genesis uh, chapter 8, verse number 20. I'll note that as soon as they get off the ark... Noah gives. Noah gives. He built an altar and he gives something to God. Another sacrifice. God serving, not self serving. In Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 4. Now the whole earth, so this is a little while after the flood. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It became about, and it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into the into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So the Lord came down and messed up their plans, right? Were those people God-serving or self-serving? Let us make a name for ourselves. God-serving or self-serving? You know, and you can look at this. I mean, it's a simple little thought, isn't it? This simple little thing. God-serving or self-serving? What is it? What do we see in others? But more importantly then, what about me? Am I God-serving or self-serving? Are you God-serving or self-serving? We think about the words of Jesus. What did he say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24? Take a second and look at this. Remember this. And I think there are so many things that we've been talking about for the last couple of years, realizing how rich of a nation we are and how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 
We think about our possessions. We think about our stuff. We think about everything we have and how difficult God says it will be for us. Jesus said in that verse, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. The point? You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and stuff. Money's not the answer. Stuff's not the answer. Things, so much of what drives us in our lives in this amazingly, wonderfully blessed, rich nation that we are, those, those blessings can become curses. If we start using those things to serve ourselves instead of being God-serving. So you've got to consider your life. You've got to consider where you're at in life and what you do from day to day. Do you live a life that shows that you are God-serving or that you are self-serving? Do you seek God or do you seek comfort? Do you seek, seek knowledge and joy and peace in Him or do you seek to find some pleasure in things? Don't be a slave to stuff. Because we think of Abram, Abraham, and I made that point. He was, he was wonderfully rich, it seems like, through the entirety of his life. He had all kinds of stuff, but he never let that stuff keep him from being God-serving. It's who he was. Servant of God. And because he was a servant of God, and because he proved that, especially in Chapter 22, when we saw that willing, to the extent he was willing to sacrifice his own son, he was willing to do what God proved himself willing to do, to sacrifice his own son. That's how dedicated Abraham was to being a servant of God, to being God-serving. And when we choose to be God-serving, not self-serving, there is great reward. Genesis twenty two fifteen through 18, it says, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram, Abraham a second time from heaven. This is right after that sacrifice, attempted sacrifice. Well, there wasn't. God provided the sacrifice. The angel said, verse 16, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed, I will greatly bless you. There's great reward in being God-serving. And, and I, hope that, um, I hope that the family of God here, that we're all, we can all be examples to, to people everywhere, that, that there is great reward, uh, that we really have this full life that is given to us because we, we've given up everything for God. None of that stuff matters. We might look... Rich to the world, we might look poor to the world. We don't care. We're going to be God-serving and not self-serving. And that makes us rich. That makes us blessed by God. Jesus is in our life, and that's the only thing we need. We aren't seeking anything else because seeking all that other stuff might keep us away from seeking the one thing that we need. Jesus. Having Living by faith in Him. 
It's a wonderful joy to be God-serving. It's a wonderful blessing. I, I hope as you read and continue to read and search the Scriptures, you can just see all through throughout the Bible that, that you got a choice. You can serve God and do it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because you love Him so, and He hasn't withheld His own Son from us, as we're reminded every week. And so I'm going to be all in for him. I am going to be God-serving in every facet and every way in my life. That's, that's, that's my motivation. That's my passion in this life is to live for the one who died for me. I'm not going to serve myself. I'm going to serve the one who died for me. That's the good life. That's the joyous life. And, and for anybody who's not here today... Pardon me? Anybody who is here today and you don't have that kind of blessed life, man, today's the day. You can have a God-serving life filled with blessings and joy in Christ Jesus. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you too can be a child of Abraham. You can be one who lives like Abraham and blessed and with all the troubles he faced, God was with him and helped him through it. And he has a reward forever and ever that will not be taken away from him. And you can live a life like that and you can be blessed by God. If there's anybody who wants the prayers of the church, you want to live in a greater way, like Abraham, be God-serving, not self-serving, we'll pray for you. If there's anybody here today who you want to give your life to Jesus and be God-serving in every, every part and every way and start learning how to do that better from day to day, you're welcome to come too, and we'll let you know how to do that. Why don't you please come as we stand together and sing. Tis so sweet.